Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties because it's cold out there today. It's two days past Groundhog's Day, and you're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm talking like a radio DJ for some reason. With me, as always, is a film critic. You know him as Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. As Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work. He didn't say it. He more implied it by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them on our unique system. We give... (laughs) What happened? Wait a minute. Hang on. Slight format change this week. Don't panic. Today on the podcast, we are catching up with some of our listener dares. These are movies that listeners of the show dared us to watch and review on the show. Listeners just like you. Possibly you. Yeah, you. But before we get started into it, Daniel is going to tell us about the beer we'll be drinking during the show. The beer we're drinking during the show. How's this for a sound effect, Jimmy? Oh! Whoa, Jimmy. Jimmy the sound guy. Jimmy the sound guy nailed it. He's been having a few beers. You're doing audio magic back there, Jimmy. What do we got here? Corky, we are in a new recording space. It might sound a little different, but the beer, baby, the beer, of course it's going to be Revision Brewing Company out of Sparks, Nevada. Brand new, hazy, double IPA. It is called Hazy Life. Hazy Life. 7.75% alcohol by volume, 42 IBUs. That's your international bittering, bittering units, don't you know? It's uh, hopped with mosaic and cashmere hops. Corky, yeah. tell me your thoughts on Revision Brewing Company's Hazy Life. I this, still have yet to drink it. Here we go. Oh, it's hoppy. It's hazy. It's full of life. I really, really like this beer. Oh, my God. It's one of the best Northeast styles that I've drank wow, in a while. Wow, that was really good. Yeah. That is just like passion fruit flavored cannabis is what that is. Man. It is just very tropical and dank. And it's just... My, that's good. It's what you come to expect from Revision because they're fantastic. Because it's a great beer yeah. that is pretty complex, but flavorful and very, very drinkable. Yeah. I mean, they just do an amazing job. Revision Brewing Company, Thank we love you. you. As Daniel mentioned a little bit earlier, we may sound a little different because we are actually in new recording environs. Yeah. We're not in the studio anymore. We're back to the garage. We're back to our roots. We started in the garage, baby, and we're returning to the garage, man. We're in the self-produced yes. phase of our career. We're in that really indulgent phase. Right. Just like, <laughs> no bad ideas. What? 11-minute guitar solo? Thumbs up. Yeah, this is Phil Spector Unchained. This is Let Loose. <laughs> this is 70s Spector. Yes, yes. This is Lou Reed Metal Machine music. This the whole podcast is just going to be feedback <laughs> from now on. That's all it is. Just guitar feedback. The whole thing. But so, yeah, Johnny Flores, yeah. our amazing producer, you will not hear him occasionally cackling in the background, so we have no idea now if we're being funny or not. Honestly, no clue. Uh, Johnny left the show only because he got too successful. Johnny is a successful podcast. Too big for his britches. Another way of saying that. He's a podcast producer. uh, Yeah, he's a big shot podcast consultant and producer. Go to Flores Podcast Consulting. If you're thinking about starting a podcast 
And you got a, the buxa. Yeah. I'm making the, the buxa sign. The right there. I'm making a little, the buxa. You got it a few of the lira, if that's what I'm saying. Then go to Johnny Flores and have him uh, produce your podcast or just talk to the man. Just he's a human being for the love of God. But I'll say a couple things. I'll say that if you came to enjoy, and I got a lot of feedback on the wonderful sound of the Dare Daniel podcast over the past year and a half, yeah. that's Johnny Flores. That's all Johnny. Yeah. yeah. So it probably sounds like shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is like early Sebado recordings it's like what the fuck is happening the other thing is i i got uh feedback when i said that johnny was uh, no longer with the show they said oh i'm gonna miss him laughing in the back that's like my favorite part i, I know like, right we might have to add that as a sound effect every now and then <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah johnny we got your we got rights to that laugh and then also go check out johnny's podcast he's with graphic novel explorers club graphic novels explorers and clubs. then his old serious talk seriously series which was fantastic it's still out there somewhere yeah, maybe. somewhere in the ethernet who knows but Corky, as I am wont to do, I try to find the the silver lining in everything. I try to find the positive in everything. And I think that while it sucks that Johnny had to leave the show because he's too busy and he has corporate clients, he's a big show. Again, yeah. Flores Podcast Consulting for all of your podcast needs. Mm-hmm. I do think that it offers us an opportunity. In every crisis is an opportunity, right? And here we have an opportunity. We're really starting from scratch. We had to buy all new equipment. Yes. We had to do our thing over again. This might sound bad. We might have to have a few episodes to kind of dial in where this is going to be again. We're in my garage, which has like a 12-foot high ceiling. It is (laughs) not really ideal for recording podcasts. But I do think it's an opportunity for us to say to our listeners who have been with us since the very beginning and who are maybe have come on, you know, since the very beginning. I do think this is an opportunity for you as a listener to say, what do you want the show to be? Do you want more? Do you want less? Do you want longer? Do you want shorter? What kind of movies do you want? Like, what do you like about the show? What do you not like about the show? So I'd love for our listeners to, of course, dare us to watch movies. And this is this episode today is all about listener dares. But I would also love to get your feedback about what you want to see out of the show in the future. Because we're still going, baby. We're yeah. still going. We're down, but we're not out. So we wanted to, first of all, kind of look back at some of our recent episodes and and offer some additional thoughts and things that maybe we didn't think about until we kind of listened back to the episode. And then also some of the best and worst films of 2019, you know, as I'm a member of the San Francisco Bay Area Film Critics Circle, as we're called now, and we had our awards. And of course, I came up with my top 10 list. Go to daredaniel.com if you want to read that full top 10 list. But we're going to talk a little bit about it today. But first of all, Corky, let's talk about Love Actually. Love Actually. Man, you remember that? Yeah. Gav. Gav just like came here. That was like only two months ago. But man, that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? That was such a great experience. It was so cool. And everyone was super excited to hear Gav. Because, of course, we always talk about Gav. And he actually, I don't think we talked about it on the show. He took a bus. (laughs) <laughs> so he's a he's visiting from the united kingdom he comes on a plane to be here with his girlfriend yes fiance his fiance she's getting some sort of award or she's at some sort of work conference in san francisco so he's tagging along he took a bus from san francisco to sacramento on that day had already watched love actually on his vacation right <laughs> on his vacation in another country, he watched the film Love Actually, which I think he said he had watched like it was his sixth time watching right, it. Yeah. And he had to just watch it before <laughs> to record for his, his own, own show. show. Yes. Yeah. Watched it again and showed up with pages of notes. 
and then took a bus back the same day. I mean, that is like amazing. That's commitment. I would not do that. No, <laughs> I'd be that. the Alan Rickman in that situation. I, I my commitment would be waning. <laughs> Yeah, I would send him a Jody Mitchell CD. And that's it. I'd be like, I know you have all these songs already, but here they are on two CDs. <laughs> Thank you again, Gav. But yeah, that was so amazing. I do. I will say that we spent the last like month and a half like shitting all over like Christianity and God <laughs> and faith and everything and all the principles that our country was built on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I honestly agonized over that. Love Actually review way more than anything else. Is that right? Way more than uh, God's Not Dead or Two or Saving Christmas or any of that stuff. Yeah, just because a lot of people really love that movie. I got so much feedback from women going, oh my God, I never saw that stuff. I never realized it. And people would stop me and and bring it up and go, oh oh my God, I I didn't notice. That movie was, I love that movie. And now it's, I can't like it anymore. (laughs) I know. I was like, what's up, Will? I've, and that's you're welcome I for ruining the Christmas out my tradition. Piece of chalk yes, that I carry absolutely. with me all the time. Put another tally mark on a brick wall There's next a to notch. me. Yeah, yes. right? built a little notch on the table. I I do kind of want to give the movie a little bit of credit because we shit all over it and we talk about like all of the really toxic relationships in the, in that movie. I want to say I think the movie on a level kind of knows what it's doing. You know what I mean? Like, it it sort of knows that, like, these relationships are kind of improper. They're not really – they're not perfect tailor-made romantic comedy sort of relationships where that guy is just perfect for that girl and they meet in the perfect place and everything is perfect and then there's a rainstorm and all that kind of stuff, right? The relationships are kind of icky. They're boss and, you know, subject. They are, like, people who are too close. They're people who are, like, you're wrong for for this person or that person. And this is love, actually. And this is – it's messy and it's weird and it's it's strange and it's uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? The problem with the movie, of course, is that, like, if you want to try to get some sort of points for reality, then you shouldn't be completely fake all of the time. Again, I think the, the issue I have is more with, like, the perception of the movie as something – that has kind of permeated the culture. As you said, it's become like a Christmas staple yeah. and this sort of perception of like, this is really cute and all these people are cute and everything they're doing is really cute and nice for each other. And it's all really cute. And it's like, it's not cute. No. It's really not cute. It's kind of icky. Yeah. But I think the movie sort of knows that it's icky. I think you sound like a, uh, an ex who hasn't gotten over. <laughs> like you're, you're only focusing on the, the good aspects of this relationship. <laughs> I have nothing kind to say about that movie. I mean, I have a few kind things to say about the movie, but no, I, I can't give it that. Even if it does know what it's doing, it does it in a cheating way. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, I just think uh, my my derision is more towards the kind of public perception that yeah. is built up as this movie as being very sweet and very cute and nice and that everything everyone is doing is very cute. Yeah. And it's not. It's really icky and gross. No. So... I'm with you with that 100% on that. Yeah. Yeah. We also did Kirk Cameron Saving, Saving Christmas. Saving Christmas. I don't really have anything to say I, I on this. I think this movie should have been titled uh, Christians in Cars Getting Cameron. It's just Because <laughs> <laughs> It's just barely a movie. It's There's barely a there. movie, man. I will say, I think in retrospect, I, I found kind of a tie between Bridget Cameron in okay. this movie. That's Kirk Cameron's sister, who we are told by Kirk Cameron 
in a voiceover, loves Christmas. Just loves loves everything about Christmas. And Christmas holds Christmas in her heart at all times. This entire movie is set during a Christmas party that she is holding. She has a permanent scowl she, on her face. Christmas is this woman's prison. She it's hides like, in, the, in her own kitchen the whole party. She is like... Seriously hates fucking Christmas. Christmas is her prison. That's hilarious. It's so like she hates it. But I found a tie between that and what people say about Grace, the Melissa Joan Hart character mm. in God's Not Dead 2, which is like, wow, Grace, you're like so serene and you seem so happy and so centered and it's all because of Christ. And again, she is permanently frowning yes. at all times. Turmoil. She is absolutely, her eyes are in pain i don't think she laughs that entire movie never never even when people come to her house and basically idolize her as though she is the lord the coming (laughs) of the lord she's kind of like ah i can't really do it can't do it oh yeah that's a good observation one more thing about god's not dead too yeah ray wise as the evil aclu lawyer yeah one thing we did not point out during uh, the show, because I don't think either of us realized it, because I don't think they ever said his name, or if they did, it kind of comes really fast. The name of the evil ACLU lawyer who me, wants to prove that God is dead through this guess. court case? Let me guess. His name is Samuel Adam Tan, <laughs> and he goes by S.A., and so his <laughs> name is S.A. Tan, Satan. Super close. Cain. <laughs> Cain, the <laughs> evil one from the Bible. K, but they're clever. It's K A I N. Oh, okay. Cain. God. He's Cain, so he's evil. What? Like, do you really think that, like, anyone named Cain is, like, evil? Right, exactly. Like, he can't possibly. <laughs> you can't. Oh, my God. Do you? Oh, my God. All right. But anyway, the the hilarious thing about Cain, the evil ACLU lawyer, not the wrestler, the film portrayal of the american civil liberties union is this is an organization that prosecutes people for exercising their free speech rights it's the it's the, it's most, the literal opposite of that it's the most backwards it's the literal opposite of that dude it's a free speech defense organization and as you said during our show they are more likely to be the defenders yes in this case they are more likely to be the jesse metcalfs yeah although not as dreamy obviously <laughs> oh no Nobody can. Never. I mean, the ACLU, I mean, hey, not just talking out of turn. Bunch of uggos. Let's be honest about it. I've seen the ACLU lawyers. Uggo City. Now, Southern Legal Defense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You want to talk about some fucking fine lawyers. But, yeah. The it's just it's insane and it's especially galling because this movie it's a fucking movie so whatever right like movie all movies are lies and to some extent but the movie actually wants to try to use quote unquote facts and evidence and scientific proof to bolster its case that God is not dead and then just tells literal outright bald faced lies like all, that all the while directly pointing that. Christians cannot be impartial jurors in a trial of facts and evidence because Absolutely. the whole thing hinges hinges on a secret Christian <laughs> swinging it for the jury. It's amazing. It's amazing. They almost uh, get to the truth so many times.
Yeah, so thank you to everybody who's been going to the blog and reading all of our stuff. DareDaniel.com. I have my movie reviews there, and we have our podcast there, and we just have extra fun stuff for you there. You can see our Twitter feed. You can hit up our PayPal, do all sorts of stuff. So Also, if you haven't, check out his Letterboxd account. There's a lot of great stuff, great list organization in that one. Barnes Yard on Letterboxd, B-A-R-N-E-S-Y, because we like him, A-R-D, Barnes Yard on Letterbox, yeah, I've got my 7,000-plus reviews, uh, or 7,000-plus films logged on Letterbox that I've seen, and several hundred lists, and I log everything on there, so check it out, follow me. Corgi, first of all, I want to just turn the tables on you. Okay. How do you like them apples, sure. uh, Johnny Appleseed? 2019 at the cinema. Do You actually went and saw movies this year. I saw evidence on our Instagram Daniel, page. the last movie Daniel Pop, I've seen... At the theater was Legal Eagle starring Robert Redford <laughs> and a young Daryl Hannah. I know for a fact that's not true. <laughs> Deborah Winger, I believe, was in that movie. Go uh, for a fact. No, one of the weird things about doing a bad movies podcast, mm. intentionally watching the worst of the worst, sure. is it rekindled my love for going seeing things and anticipating good movies. Sure. And Plugging in, actually. It rekindled it because I was submitting myself to so much shit that I was like, I need to remind myself what I like about this. So, yeah, I started going to movies again. Damn. So, it sounds like you were, as uh, the kids are saying, engaging with the zeitgeist. Well, as the kids say, I was lit AF. (laughs) I was AF as fuck. Not only was I hashtag dabbing, I was fleek bay. Sure. Kronk. In the zeitgeist. In sure. The Absolutely. Zeitgeist. <laughs> That's what the kids are saying. But yeah, I went to movies. I saw so a few movies. What, I saw what some were your favorite ones. movies that you saw this year? My favorite movies, let me go, I'll go from, say, five to one. Let's I, hear I, it. I didn't see many. Okay? Maybe, baby. So uh, I would say five was Knives Out. Knives Out, the Ryan Johnson. Four film. was Irishman, although I didn't go to the movies to see that, but I thought that was fantastic. You Netflixed it. Yes, Netflix. Did you chill? Did not get to chill. As no the, chilling. As the kids say. I That's was too, three and a half hours of Netflix and not chilling. I was too in the zeitgeist to <laughs> You were too engaged with the zeitgeist. Damn. <laughs> as the kids say. Three was uh, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. You yes. went and saw Uncut Gems. Yeah, I loved Uncut you Gems. You went out to the cinema to watch Uncut Gems. I went and saw Uncut Gems at 9.30 on a Thursday morning, and I was the only person in the theater. That's the way to watch it, It was man. amazing. That's so good. I sat dead center. Yeah. Put my feet up, took my shirt off, uh-huh. rolled a joint. Love it. it was amazing. <laughs> Colt 45, paper yeah. bag. Yeah. I could I I got I even got on my phone without any guilt in the really? movie theater. You're just texting during Uncut Gems. That's uh, the way the Safety Brothers wanted it. That's exactly I t- I texted them. I was <laughs> like, hey, like, great job, guys. <laughs> I'm 35 minutes in. I just really screenshotted the part where he said, I think I'm gonna come, and I said, Safety Brothers, this is how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Number two was uh, <laughs> The Return of Tarantino with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Absolutely. And my number one was 1917, which I just blew me away. Stunning. I wanted to see that movie. Maybe I'm peddling some of that anticipation into my love of it. But that was a movie where I was like, holy fuck, I needed to be in the theater to watch this. You're a peddler of anticipation. Yeah. Yeah. And I've the worst it. movie I saw at the theater this year? Hear it. Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, which is a complete piece of shit. Which is another thing where I was like, I got to see that at the theater. I yeah. have to see it. But I was like, Absolutely. holy fuck. But I, I hate myself not, for doing this. Did not need to come to the theater to see Turns that. Turns out, no. You know what? Star Wars? Fuck you. Kind of done. Yeah. It's okay if I never have another Star Wars. Zero. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. No more Star Wars. We're all agreed at no more Star Wars. We're good. We're good. Everybody? That includes TV. We've scratched that itch, right? <laughs> 
I still got to ride the uh, Rise of the Resistance at Disneyland. Then, <laughs> Star Wars canceled. Cancel culture coming for you, Star Wars. <laughs> so that's my brief list. Daniel, let's get into yours, baby. Yeah, I got a few years on my list. I'll just breeze through my top 10 a little bit. Uh, number 10, I have Parasite. That's the Bong Joon-ho film that is lighting it up at the art house. Heard a lot of good things. Love Bong Joon-ho. South Korean, uh, great South Korean filmmaker. Number nine, I got The Irishman. That's Martin Scorsese. You talked about it. It's three and a half hours of all Netflix and no chill. Uh, number eight, I have Pain and Glory. That's the latest Pedro Almodovar film starring Antonio Banderas. I reviewed it on the blog. Go check it out. Pain and Glory review. DareDaniel.com. Antonio Banderas, star of uh, Assassins, episode 37. That's Assassins. 37? Are you sure? It's in that range. 27? Guys, listen to all of them. Do I hear 17? 17 for the win. Number seven. This one I didn't see on a ton of lists. This is maybe a little more of an outlier on my list. Rolling Thunder Review, which is another Martin Scorsese. It was actually my favorite Martin Scorsese Netflix movie this year. Awesome. Which was about the Bob Dylan Rolling Thunder Review tour and took a lot from Ronaldo and Claire and added some new stuff and some old stuff. And, of course, the music from that era is just absolutely blistering, fantastic rock and roll. Number six, another Netflix film, Marriage Story. This is the Noah Baumbach film. At number five, I had In Fabric. That's the latest movie from Peter Strickland, who directed Duke of Burgundy. You can check out that review that I have on the blog as well, Duke of Burgundy from a few years back. Uh, In Fabric, fantastic movie. It's on VOD right now. You can check it out. Number four, I had Midsommar, Ari Aster's Midsommar, very disturbing daylight horror film. My daughter loves that movie. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And number three, I had Peterloo. This is the Mike Lee movie. This movie's not going to appeal to a ton of people, but I think if you have the patience for it, Amazon Prime, it's on there. Mike Lee made a new movie? Mike Lee made a new movie. I like Mike Lee movies. Absolutely. He's kind of in the costume drama phase. So Good. He made Mr. Turner. That's my favorite. Right? He made Mr. Turner. He made Topsy Turvy. Yeah, that's my favorite. Mike yeah. Lee. And uh, this one is very... It's the story of the Peterloo Massacre in the 19th century, which okay. is a workers' so rights massacre. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Laugh a minute. This one played the film festivals in 2018, didn't really catch on, and kind of snuck into theaters in early 2019, outgrossed by the Avengers. I mean, it, just, it didn't have a chance. <laughs> didn't have a chance. But again, I think if you have the patience for it, and you like Mike Lee, and you like a good speech-heavy costume drama, then you should Mike Lee, give it a shot. Mike Lee films are amazing acting that you want to watch over and over with scenes that are very cringeworthy, right. <laughs> bookended. Absolutely. It's good stuff. That's just a good one to gather the family around for. Uh, Peter Lou, that's on Amazon Prime. Give it a shot. Number two, you talked about my top two. These are really the two films of the year for me. What's Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. And at number one, I had Uncut Gems starring Adam Sandler. Performance of the year. He's amazing in that. Oh, my God. He's so good. I love that he just every – he's like this weird groundhog actor who every like five years pops up and is like – I'm going to be like good. Yeah. I, I'm just going to remind everybody how great I am. And then I'm going to do like 13 made for Netflix comedies that are going to be the most unwatchable things you can imagine. I've been com- calling him this generation's Jerry Lewis. Right. Because he has that spastic child beginning sure. humor. And then every, you say, he has five that years, capacity for greatness. Yes. The capacity. It's in there. It, 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 it needs he to be reined in, in a specific way, but it, he has that capacity. But Absolutely. he's going to bring you the worst of the worst from his own creation. But oh, when boy. he gets together with somebody else, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it really is. So, Uncut Gems, my, to my feeling, the film of the year. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a little more accessible to everybody. I, well, Uncut pa- Gems is a v- real love it or hate it kind of a thing. 
the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was really the movie where I it's three and a half hours, but I didn't notice. It I sat in the theater. I was like, right it by. breezed right absolutely. by. That's a feat to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the film that, again, as I mentioned, I'm a member of the San Francisco Bay Area, Bay Area Film Critics Circle. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the film that won Best Picture this year, which I was very happy to Good. see. Also took Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt, who seems is winning literally every Supporting Actor award really? uh, for his performance. I thought yes. Leo did better, but I, I'm a Leo fan. It's it's the the it's Brad Pitt's year kind yeah. of thing. You know what I mean? Like Leo had his year, and yeah. Brad Pitt's having. His but then year. Again, but I agree, Leo was amazing. Then again, the thing about awards ceremonies and no fans, because I know you're in a critic circle. Oh, and, fucking bring it on. Um, it's so weird to say, I love Parasite. I love Peterloo. I love Avengers. Let's put these together, these movies I love for all these different reasons, and let's make them race. Sure. You know, we're going to pick a winner out of them. Yeah, fair enough. But ultimately, you could pick a favorite. You can have a favorite, but to say one is the best of the year. Yeah, but it's only the best because it's a an aggregate uh, best. It's the best by, a, uh, by vote. Counterpoint. I mean. But is it? Counterpoint. <laughs> eat my ass. <laughs> Counterpoint. Eat shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> Some of the other winners that we had this year. Bong Joon-ho was really the big winner at our awards. He won Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Foreign Film for Parasite. Lupita Nyong'o won our Best Actress. Uh, Antonio Banderas, as I mentioned, Pain and Glory, he won Best Actor. J-Lo for Hustlers won Supporting Actress. And as I said, Brad Pitt for Sporting Actress. So those were the San Francisco Bay Area Film Critics Circle Awards. Go follow the organization. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on the thing. And it's on the thing. So check it out. Dan, seeing as how we are a bad movies podcast, sure. what would you say are your worst movies of 2019? So I always like to make a shorter worst list than a best list. Because as you know me, I am Aww. Joe Joe Positive. You like to find the light in the darkness. There's light and darkness. And guy, by golly, I'll find that light. Guy Bali. <laughs> Guy Bali, who is next year's best director. We actually reviewed on the show one of my least favorite films of 2019, a little turd called The Fanatic, starring John Travolta as Moose. Such a bad movie. Fan. Oh, God, it was so bad. My least favorite film of the year, honestly, it was Glass. Really? M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. Just the most pointless piece of shit you could possibly imagine. And what the really fuck? just fucking stupid as fuck. I can't even believe it. Aladdin, Guy Ritchie, Aladdin, yeah. Guy Ritchie, <laughs> Aladdin. My eyes didn't need to see that. A uh, movie I reviewed on the blog, All is True, Kenneth Branagh just hamming it up as Shakespeare, as Shakespeare, not oh just hamming. No shit. Shakespeare, but as Shakespeare. Jeez. And, you know, he ladled on the latex and the makeup <laughs> to do that. And then I would say Yesterday, which. I hate to keep shitting on my boy Richard Curtis. Oh, that's a Richard Curtis movie? That's a Richard Curtis screenplay. Danny Boyle directed. Okay. And Danny Boyle continues his slide into being the fucking worst. (laughs) You suck, Danny Boyle. But I mean, how do you take like the entire Beatles catalog and make a really stupid, shitty movie? You get Richard Curtis on board, man, because he's going to write the dumbest most reductive, most uh, pandering screenplay possible. So, my worst movies of the year. The Beatles were so fucking good, but they have inspired so much shit oh, from right? their fandom. Yeah, I know. Sergeant Pepper's <laughs> Lonely Hearts Club Band. It's that broad appeal, you know. Oh. I mean, that's they're so goddamn popular. It's that's just... true. The, some of the worst people get ideas from it. Of course. And now, our feature presentation. So, Corky. Yes, sir. 
Meat of the Showtime. Hey, For what it's worth, this is the main attraction. Bring up the curtains, bring down the curtains, close the curtains, open the curtains. Get the curtains out of here. Do whatever curtains. Why do we got curtains? Get those curtains out of here. These are our listener dares. Our listeners, they have just been, they've been deluging us yes. with dares. It's been an avalanche. An avalanche of dares. It's been a, a goddamn pompey of dares. And we say. love everybody contributing. We want more and more and more. But if we don't get to it right away, it's only because, it's not because it wasn't a good dare. It's because maybe it doesn't fit. We did too many of those movies in a row. There's something thematically we're trying to do with the, with the release date. We get a lot of dares. Yes. And we have a lot of dares. So dare number one, dare number one, that's on me. Dare number one is the Velocipaster. Oh, that's a, a typo right there. That should say Velociraptor. Wait a minute. It's not a typo. It's wordplay. <laughs> Clever wordplay. The Velocipaster dared to us by Jalen Mason. Do you know Jalen Mason? That's my nephew. That's my big buddy nephew. Jalen, that's Jalen. Okay, <laughs> that's I met Jalen at your birthday party. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Jalen? What up, Jay? Jalen dared us to watch The Velocipaster. IMDb synopsis of Velocipaster. After losing his parents, a priest travels to China, where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. This sounds like the plot of God's Not Dead 4 right here. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Dave. God's not extinct. Pastor Dave turned into a dinosaur. Wait, we don't believe in dinosaurs. Never mind. I didn't do that. At first, horrified by this new power, a hooker convinces him. Why does it have to be a hooker? Why a hooker? Oh, she's a human goddamn being. Just a sex worker. Sex yeah. worker. But That's... of course, it's a hook. It's a hooker with a heart of gold. <laughs> the hooker convinces him to use it to fight crime, period. And ninjas, period. Why did your nephew Jalen Mason dare us to watch The Velocipaster? He says, because I don't have the courage to watch it myself. Ah, not many people do. I'm not sure I do. <laughs> do you have the courage to watch Velocipaster? I got to say, my nephew knows me. And uh, there's a thing on one of my favorite podcasts, the Around the NFL podcast. They have this concept of things called uncle movies. These are uncle <laughs> movies. Caddyshack. That's an uncle sure, movie. It's a sure, movie sure. your uncle hips you to, yeah, right? Yeah. Jalen looks at me and talks about that movie Cowboys versus Aliens. He's right. like, that's a you movie, Uncle Bubba. That's you. <laughs> and I think he sees this synopsis and he's like, that's my Uncle Bubba's movie right there. <laughs> Hell yes, I want to see a movie about a priest who turns into a velociraptor. Sure. In China, meets a hooker and fights ninjas. I mean, what part? Take any one of those Mad Lib words out. <laughs> like all of that, yeah. It all sounds good to me. It's a film from 2018. It was written and directed by Brennan Steer. It's the Velocipaster. Our Thank next, you, yes. Jalid, for the dare. Thank you, Bubba. Our next dare came to us from Sacramento comedian Robert Berry, a very funny man with his own podcast, The Retro Crush Hour. He dared us Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man from 1991. This movie is directed by Simon Winsor and stars Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson. Why did Robert Barry dare us this movie? He says everything about this movie seems ill-advised. It was a critical and box office flop starring Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson. <laughs> IMDb, let's see if they have some more to say. Forced by the imminent foreclosure of their friend's bar, two lifelong buddies will decide to rob a bank's armored car, not knowing that its cargo is not money, but a new street drug. <laughs> so well said. 
Have you seen Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? This came out when we were like 14 or 15 years old. No, but my dad like had no. a poster for it in our garage. Such an uncle movie, dude. <laughs> That's an uncle movie, right? Did you know it's set in the not-too-distant future? No, I didn't know that. It is! <laughs> the not-too-distant future to 1991. I don't know. It, it was an unspecific date. But it's supposed to be some sort of... Slightly Mad Maxian okay. kind of, you know, bikers and the thing. And there's a character named Jack Daniels. There's Ugh. a character. It, it goes on like that. There's a Jose Cuervo. Everybody's the Mexican named guy. after brands. Yeah, yeah, everyone's named after a liquor or a... So it's 2019. Like yeah. so it's, right, exactly. Uh, I have seen the movie. It's terrible. Yeah. I've never seen that state away. Yeah. So there you go. What happened to Mickey Roy? But Don Johnson's had a like, kind of late career resurgence. Right, yeah. He's he's a competent he's a good actor he's a nice. I'd out. say he's quite a good actor. Yeah. He's he's kind of found a niche as a character actor. I feel. Yeah. He didn't really have the leading man kind of thing, but once he got a little older and could kind of play the sort of sleazy cop. Yeah, you know what he, I'm he <laughs> always has sleaze, no matter what his role <laughs> yes. is. Uh, S. Craig Zoller uses him really well. Indeed, he does. Thank you very much, Robert Barry. Robert Barry, thank you very much. Next dare comes to us from Rosemary Barnes. That's my Aunt Rosemary. We've got nephews. We've got aunts. I know. <laughs> A lot of my family listens to the show. I really need to kind of cool it with the F-bombs, clean up the language a little bit. Fucking A. Right. What do you got for me, Aunt Rosemary? She has the face of love. The face. Aw, that sounds nice. Face love. 2013. It's directed by Ari Posen. It stars... Annette Benning, Ed Harris, and Robin Williams. So far, so good. Okay. Why do you want me to watch it, Aunt Rosemary? She says, I want to know if I'm wrong to be repulsed by this movie. Did I miss something? Was I supposed to be uplifted by a story of a woman so obsessed with her dead husband that she tries to recreate him in another man, an artist who falls in love with her and is devastated when he finds out what's going on? After the artist dies, she finds his painting of her titled The Face of Love. That was love? This is a pretty movie, pretty house, pretty pool, lots of pretty art, and Annette Benning and Ed Harris, but I think it's rotten to the core. Thanks for listening. Wow. IMDb synopsis of The Face of Love, a widow falls for a guy who bears a striking resemblance to her late husband. I have never heard of this movie. It came out <laughs> pretty recently, 2013, and it has major movie stars in it. Never heard of it. Never, ha- never once heard of this movie. Although I will say... The concept of uncle movies, this is what I would definitely label an aunt. This movie. is an aunt movie. This is an aunt movie. Somewhere in time, face of love, <laughs> Titanic. Those are aunt movies. Well, it sounds like a good dare. I mean, we we don't it's not it's out of our wheelhouse. Yeah. For sure. You know exactly. what I mean? So I'm, and that I'm description that. is amazing. And maybe there is a uh, it, it's a an untapped bad movie that the other um, many bad movie podcasts who are obviously just like Biting our shit, yeah. hardcore. Ripping just, us off. Yeah, ripping us off big time. Um, you know, maybe it's one that uh, we can they haven't ripped off yet. <laughs> the fourth installment in our All Dare Spec Travaganza is any Hallmark or Netflix Christmas movie dared to us by Vanessa McNetflix. Wow. Do you think that's... I think that might be a pseudonym. <laughs> of the real the real Net- McNetflixes? Oh, you think it's of the Virginia McNetflixes? <laughs> No, no, no. Colorado bit Netflixes. D- Virginia, get the fuck out, dude. Do, buddy. <laughs> Silver mine money. Well, they married the McChills, and that's how they got into their money. Why did Vanessa McNetflix dare us any Hallmark or Netflix Christmas movie? She or he says, I've been subjected to sitting through three of these turds over the past weeks, and boom, 
Now I'm a diabetic. Nice. Vanessa McNetflix just working on her material. (laughs) Pick one, any one. I know the season has passed, but you maybe should spread these out over the year for next year to save your health. These movies, they just come out all the time. And as many people have pointed out, there's a lot of like... The cover is always two white people yep. in red and green sweaters. Red and green sweaters. <laughs> frolicking. They're, they're, they're either in front of a tree or some rustic setting with snow around them. Yes. And you can interchange one of these words on every title, either a secret, a prince, a magic, <laughs> or a very special. Sure. I just throw Christmas or holiday or Santa oh, yeah. or, what or love. ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. And these movies just have, like, they just, they come out, they're just like product. They just come out and they're there and they're there to be on, you know, when, when you need them on Christmas and they get pumped up by all the VOD services, they put them on a special little thing on their menu. And then they're just, they're gone, I yeah. guess. People just consume them and boom, it's done. And she says we can watch literally any one of them. Literally any one of them. Great. Because so, my girlfriend has watched every one of them. <laughs> she, yeah. she can tell me which ones are good. Thank you, Vanessa McNetflix. Next dare. David Paul dare? Boom. Hey, DP. What do you got for us? David Paul. This is our man. This is our benefactor. David Paul. He is a donator. He's a donator. He donates to the show. You can go to the show. Go to daredaniel.com. There's a PayPal thing right there. You want to make a monthly donation. You want to make a one-time donation. You want to make a 10-time donation. We'll take anything. We're desperate. <laughs> we we, we emptied the bank account we to buy this you. amazing equipment. Johnny fucking split. Johnny's gone. We're, we're destitute Johnny's here. gone. That guy was our whole fucking He said he was ride. going out for cigarettes. <laughs> Did not come back. <laughs> The David Paul, always, always, always there, always got our back, and we got his back. What do you got for us, David Paul? Torture us with the worst thing you got. What do you got? What do you got? Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah. 2019. It was directed by Rob Letterman. Stars Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith. Of course, this is a movie that exists in the world. For some reason, why did David Paul want us to watch Pokemon Detective Pikachu? He says, hi, guys. Long time, no dare. Well, I got a real special one for you this time. This is a turd sandwich wrapped in a Ryan Reynolds turd gyro and dipped in a turd jus called Detective <laughs> Pikachu, already utilizing the always disturbing and unwatchable method of combining live action and CGI cartoons. This movie ups the shit ante. By featuring the worst human in the history of film, of course that's Ryan Reynolds, as the voice of Pika. We got about 30 minutes into this poo-poo platter before we had to turn it off and watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit to cleanse our souls. This is a movie of the dirty souls. This movie made him use a thesaurus for fecal matter. (laughs) David Paul needs no thesaurus. (laughs) If you know David Paul, you would know that man, fecal matter at his fingertips, literally, well... Not literally, <laughs> but you know what I mean. David Paul knows his poop. IMDb synopsis of Pokemon Detective Pikachu says, in a world where people collect Pokemon to do battle. Wow, what a crazy world. Hey. So unlike our world. Isn't that what Pokemon? I don't know, fuck all of you. I have no idea. A boy comes across an intelligent talking Pikachu who seeks to be a detective. That doesn't sound very interesting to me. Uh, and I hate anyone who likes this movie. We've had... Uncle movies, we've had aunt movies. This is a nephew movie because every nephew that's ever existed played Pokemon. I don't get Pokemon. I don't get it. I don't understand what happens. I was like, I tried to have people explain it to me several times. No. 
I don't get it. No. Explaining makes it worse. But it's it's a noir Pokemon? Oh, yeah. It's Pokemon noir. No, okay. I don't think it is. I think it's just a piece of shit. It's a movie Fred McMurray would have done in the 60s, <laughs> huh? That's the kind of movie it would have been. Oh, I wish. <laughs> oh, man. God. And Ryan Reynolds really is just the worst. And uh, he is the worst. He's awful. He's terrible. <laughs> and he's really bad. So. I'm excited for this one, though. That's really good. Yeah, good one, David Paul. Thank Ball. you, David Thanks, Ball. David Paul. Our next dare is from new uh, serial darer. She's, she's breaking records. Yeah. I love it. Jana Sinclair dared us Dune from 1984. Jana Sinclair won't quit. This is from 1984, directed by David Lynch, based on the Frank Herbert novel. Styles Kyle MacLachlan and Virginia Madsen. I didn't know Virginia Madsen was in this. The IMDb synopsis for Dune is a Duke's son leads desert warriors against the Galactic Emperor and his father's evil nemesis when they assassinate his father and free their desert world from the Emperor's rule. Why did Jaina give us Dune from 1984? She says, in the wake of the upcoming Dune movie, hey... I thought reading this classic novel would be a good idea to prepare myself. <laughs> you two, on the other hand, must watch David Lynch's 1984 Dud. 1984 Dud. It was a box office bomb. Huge bomb. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was heavily you know, recut by the studio. And it was because uh, they thought they were going to make the next Star Wars. Of course, at that time, it was the 80s. You make a movie in outer space, everything's the next fucking Star Wars. Right? Yeah. Oh, shit. Money, 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 money. So, yeah, this was supposed to be the next Star Wars. Uh, and obviously it was, uh, not, uh, I, have you seen it? No. Yeah. I've actually watched it. It's not terrible. It's yeah. not terrible. There's sort of a, a kind of, as with every movie that, you know, becomes kind of a, a heaven's gate, a whipping post, Ishtar. there becomes this sort of turnaround where people try to say now it's not only not the worst movie of all time, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's a little great movie. No, but it's interesting. It's interesting to watch. The production design is really interesting. The story is interesting. It's a big old fat mess, but it's also a big old fat mess directed by David Lynch. So I remember it being a punching bag when we were kids. Absolutely. Like from all the reviewers. But then but again, a lot there was of that also is... that the uh, director's cut was better than what was released. Yeah, and I, I did not get to watch the director's cut, which is also like three hour yeah, plus right. hours long uh, as well. So I watched the original, and it's not actually that bad, but it's not great. Uh, either so you know grain of salt but again as a, a lot of times the critical review especially when it comes out in the time is based as much on the fact that the movie box bombed. office yeah exactly. it bombed it's right. not the movie that people expected it was supposed to be the next star wars and it wasn't therefore it's a bad movie and it doesn't fit the mold and of course it's fucking david lynch movie it was never going to be the next fucking star wars right <laughs> fucking a. i don't know who was expecting that well, i mean at that point in his career he'd made like two things and so maybe you could be like oh well yeah maybe, yeah and one yeah, of them was next, eraser hand yeah, this guy is not gonna make yeah, the right. next star yeah. wars thank you very much jana keep those dares Coming. Keep them coming. Jaina, you rock. And we are not social media friends. I know that now. I, well, Reddit's social media. I appreciate Yeah, but we're not friends on social media. You, you can't be friends. You can't people. be friends on Reddit. You can be but pals, acquaintances, drinking buddies, <laughs> ex-lovers, but not friends. Not friends. Never friends. Next dare. Bring it on. Next dare comes to us from Mrs. Buck Williams. Hey! hey! Mrs. Buck. What do you got, Mrs. Buck? Mrs. Buck has... A little film called Left Behind, colon, <laughs> Vanished, dash, Next Generation. It's from 2017. It's directed by your boy, Larry A. McLean. It stars your girl, Amber Frank. Your boy, D Mason Die, and my boy, Dylan Sprayberry. What? 
Why? Mrs. Buck Williams, do you want us to watch Left Behind colon Vanish Dash Next Generation? She says, I heard someone dare you to watch the Left Behind trilogy and they missed the fourth one. Left Behind colon Vanish Dash Next Generation. Sadly, it doesn't have Kirk Cameron or Nicolas Cage. I'm out. But it does have Tom Everett Scott, Whoa. your favorite werewolf from American, your favorite from American werewolf from Paris, back in, back in, way the fuck, officially back in. back in, so far back in. I'll never dislodge. You can't get me out. I'm there forever now. IMDb synopsis of Left Behind: Colon Vanished Dash Next Generation. When millions of people begin to begin to disappear, begin to disappear. Well, this really is a next generation. Gabby, her sister, because they've been disappearing the whole. I mean, this is the whole thing. It's all left behind. It's the whole thing, right? Do I not understand? I have never seen any of these movies. When millions of people begin to disappear, Gabby, her sister, and the what the <laughs> fuck? What IMDb <laughs> is so much talk to text or. Babelfish, it's like somebody translated from a different language <laughs> these movie descriptions. When millions, I'm just going to read it, and I'm just... You have to figure out what Dan is talking about. You, t- you tell me. This is a uh, you make the call kind of thing. Come in. Oh, it's clipping. Clipping. What is that? When millions of people begin to disappear, Gabby, her sister, and their other companies, what? We'll have to stick together for survival and to figure out what happened behind of an onion. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> When millions of people begin to disappear, Gabby, her sister, and their other companies will have to stick together for survival and to figure out what happened behind of an indescribable occurrence. Did not uh, Dan didn't change any of those words. Those words were all there. And the, I actually did fix, uh, fix the uh, spelling of occurrence. Dude, the thing was. about left behind colon vanished hyphen next generation <laughs> is that it's very necessary. For they sure. need, yeah, they yeah, yeah. needed to further that yeah, yeah, yeah. storyline. Well, because it's for the new, the next generation, right? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, this isn't your parents left behind. Okay, this isn't your parents left behind. I mean, yeah, it's the vanished. same basic thing. The vanished so that people get left behind. This is, so it's the same thing, but it's the next generation. But the generation after this is going to need a left behind colon vanished hyphen next generation <laughs> semicolon continues on. Yeah, pound sign. <laughs> Next G. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> thank you very much, Mrs. Buck Williams. Mrs. Buck, thank you for the dare. Tell your husband we said hello. Our next dare is a horror movie dare. It is from Mr. Positivity Wolfie T, a friend of ours on Twitter. Mr. Positivity. Big time supporter on I Twitter. I thought I was Mr. Positivity, but this guy really is Mr. Positivity. Very really. positive. Wolfie T. His dare is for Thanksgiving 3. It's a 2012 uh, sequel, of course, to the previous Thanksgivings, directed by Jordan Downey. The IMDb synopsis for Thanksgiving, if you haven't heard of this franchise, foul mouthed, hey starts with a pun. Foul mouthed villain turkey carves through the likes of a rapping grandma, a mindless puppet, a wig wearing inventor, a bisexual space worm, and their equally ridiculous friends on his quest to recover the last copy of Thanksgiving 2. So, it's a meta movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, he gets boy. into it. Wolfie so, gets into it. Why did Wolfie dare us this movie? He says, There aren't a lot of Thanksgiving-themed movies out there, but Thanksgiving was a genuinely entertaining, low-budget horror comedy about an evil turkey that is resurrected after 400 years to kill a group of college students on their Thanksgiving break. Dan, you laugh as if that's not a very familiar trope in Hollywood. <laughs> Classic horror trope. 
It's clever, satirical, and outrageously funny. Definitely worth watching. However, this dare isn't for Thanksgiving, but for its sequel, Thanksgiving 3. Why Thanksgiving 3 and not Thanksgiving 2? Because there is no Thanksgiving 2. Thanksgiving 3 tries to go the meta route, and it is brutal. <laughs> I hate to do this, you guys, but please take on this rotting corpse of a sequel and let me know just how bad it really is. Wow. And this is Mr. Positivity. <laughs> Literally, Mr. Positivity has nothing positive to say about this I wonder when he, he has something positive to say about Thanksgiving. Did he have, does he have to change terrible. his name does he have to change, when, he, when he types that out? Like, he goes into his edit profile? I think that's why he couldn't finish the movie. He was like, eh, it does not compute. No. Well, the body would just not accept it. It's like, <laughs> like when a body rejects an organ. It's like, no, ah, it's rejecting it. Wolfie T just rejects <laughs> So positive, but he was just like literally so positive that he was like, Thanks killing? Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Check it out. The original Thanks Killing. That Th- sounds terrible. But then he was like, But Thanks Killing Three is that's how fucking terrible is I even Mr. Positivity is like it. It makes me wonder if Thanks Killing Two does actually exist, but he just can't acknowledge it because it's that bad. <laughs> it's even worse, yes. It I is the even Thanks Killing. I will say works. he's dared us two movies that I'm very interested in. This one and Norbit. I don't know why oh, I'm just Norbit. I'm fascinated by watching Norbit. Yeah, let's watch Norbit. Yeah. We're definitely watching Norbit. Thank you very much, Mr. Positivity. Thank you, Wolfie A very positive. Mike Dove, of course, is a great supporter of the show, a longtime dare, one of my best friends. I'm sure he's donated before, and if he hasn't, he meant to. <laughs> what do you got for me, Mike Dove? Mike Dove has a little movie called Think Big, because that's what Mike Dove does. He thinks big. Thinks big. Does think big, think big. It's directed by John Turtletaub. It stars Peter Paul and David Paul, not the aforementioned David Paul. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> But Peter Paul and David Paul, the Barbarian Brothers. A.K.A. Why, Mike Dub, do you want us to watch Think Big from 1989, starring the Barbarian Brothers? He says, I remember this movie being on constantly in my preteen cable watching days. I don't remember anything specific about it, but it's got to be one of the worst movies ever made. Starring the Barbarian Twins. Barbarian Twins? Whatever. Peter Paul and David Paul as shenanigan-prone truck drivers who pick up a hitchhiking teenage nerd. Sort of like Over the Top if that movie had two Stallones but no arm wrestling. In addition to the razor-sharp wit and magnetic charisma of the twins, the movie also features cameo appearances by some of your favorite comedic actors of the time. Michael Winslow, Martin Mull, Richard Mall. And Richard Kyle, a veritable roundtable of comedy in 1990. A veritable Mount Rushmore of comedy for every year ever. That's a that's a hot, hot, hot lineup right there. That's I, Murderer's Row, baby. I thought I knew this movie, but I realize I'm thinking of a different movie, and now I don't know if that movie actually exists. <laughs> what is your fake movie? It was a movie about... People who were moving, they started a moving company, but they were all like stand-ups. And it had like um, Robert Townsend was in it. Paul Provenza was in it. The guy from Mad About You was in it. Paul Reiser. Yeah, Paul Reiser. Um, the guy who was in Groundhog's Day <laughs> played one of the drunk guys at the Waffles. Rick Overton was in it. Oh, okay. He played the weirdo. Uh, and I, maybe Tim Thomason. I don't... Do you know what the movie I'm talking about? No idea. Holy shit. It's a shit. different movie than the one we Yes, because I thought it was this movie, but then I saw I'm like, that's not the comedians I was thinking of. 
If you know that movie, let me know what I'm talking about. Just if- look it up on IMDb. Okay. You don't need That's our not- listeners. Hey, everyone, settle down. Settle down. Whoa. If Dan knew anything about crowdsourcing and getting fan interaction, he'd know. I don't that know. He, he should not have said just go to IMDb. I discourage interaction. <laughs> not only with don't fans. Don't speak to me. Not only with fans, but non-fans. Honestly, <laughs> I really uh, never speak to me or look at me uh, directly in the eye. There was a guy who was like Andrew Dice Clay was in it. <laughs> Thank you, Mike Dub. Our final movie dare of the episode came to us from longtime dare Marco Cabote, who's brought us some wonderful episodes like Cutthroat Island and Ultraviolet. He dared us Caligula. Oh. Yeah. That's a big The a infamous big name. 1979 movie directed by Tinto Brass, starring Malcolm McDowell, Peter O'Toole, Helen Mirren, and produced by Bob Guccione of Penthouse. Odd jobs. Uh, odd jobs. That's what it was called. <laughs> it's called odd jobs. Because I watched four my... students who work on different jobs during their vacations in summer are tired of doing the same thing every year. They decide to open a moving company and confront themselves with the former boss of one of them. Is Tim Thomason in it? Paul Reiser, Robert Townsend, Scott McGinnis, Rick Overton, Paul Provenza, Richard Dean Anderson, Don Imus. Holy shit. Why did Marco Deras Caligula, he says, of all the films that could ever be considered the deity before which all other bad films bow, it is this. Cast aside your plan nines, your Myra Breckenridges, your Leonard Part Sixes. <laughs> there is only one. Caligula. Marco Capote really like He's laying it on. He's <laughs> laying it on thick. He's like, this is gonna be great. Gore Vidal wrote a low budget dark drama that was filmed as a big budget political comedy then edited back into a dark drama by penthouse kingpin Bob Guccione. The resulting film is an overlong and nonsensically edited tale in which famous actors inconsistently overact in the foreground of some of the most impressive sets you will wish you could see clearly through the Vaseline-covered lens. You sure that's Vaseline, Marco? Every sex act you could make a checklist of, every act of depravity that shouldn't be filmed, everything is in this damned movie and all of it is 70s ugly and boring. Gold chains for all. Caligula is the most insane, most interesting film for its bizarre production, and the resulting film is a gross, ugly mess that's incomparable to any other bad film. Damn. Yeah. That's a fucking epitaph for a bad film. Have you actually ever seen Caligula? Never seen Caligula. Never seen Caligula. Me neither. Yeah. It was a pretty, as he says, it was very infamous for its time because it has... Malcolm McDowell, it has Peter O'Toole, it has Helen Mirren, it has John Gielgud, it has all these amazing actors. It has this story of the Roman Emperor, of course, and it has these amazing sets, and it was a really expensive film. And it's also, like, pornography. There's also penetration going (laughs) on in the background. They actually, like, they filmed the movie, and then Bob Guccione was like, I'm going to literally just film some porn and splice in, like, some porn just into a scene, and then here's like actual porn happening in the scene while you know the seventies were so it's a wild, wild crazy. time, wild time, <laughs> yeah, it was wild. And uh, he locked the director out of the editing room, and ah. uh, the movie was completely just recut into apparently just a nonsensical film where he would just take scenes at random and just put them in different places in the movie. And of course, that sounds awesome to be honest. Yeah, uh, and it's just supposed to be disgusting and gross and weird. IMDb has this to say. 
details the graphic and shocking yet undeniably tragic story of Rome's most infamous Caesar, Gaius Germanicus Caligula. Undeniably tragic? I mean, <laughs> he kind of set himself up, didn't Not he? Not so sure. <laughs> Not so sure. Oh, boy. That sounds awesome, though. I, I'm, I'm interested in watching that. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. Is this even available anywhere to I, watch? It's just one of those movies that you're like, is this? Like, can you even watch this? Yeah, really? <laughs> Honestly, like this, again, like the can 70s I, were just crazy. It's not know? even can I find it. It's like, just can I can I rectify that with myself? Can I, can I, can I continue <laughs> on as a good person like after this watching this? Something that you could just get on voodoo. I, I really, feel really, like, no, it isn't. I had that argument with myself that kind of torment when i wanted to see triumph of the will by uh, Lenny right, right, right. i was like should i do this yeah, maybe i don't want to do this yeah. yeah am i a good person i i'm just i only want it for the film aspect of yeah it. like it's just a it's a big important movie if you care about movies and it's you know it's kind of like watching birth of a nation or yeah uh, Something like that. Meanwhile, we're now on some watch list because of the because <laughs> we've mentioned Caligula, <laughs> Birth of a Nation, and Triumph for the Will in twenty seconds. Thank you very much, Marco Thank you, much, Marco. Thank you for all of your dares. Is he a Hall of Famer? No, but no, damn it. but hey, he's knocking on the door. He's we, knocking on the door. We got to get Mike Dub in there. Mike Dub, it, it's it's a travesty on the level of Steve Atwater. It yeah, was overlooked. I said it. Yeah. Put Steve Atwater in the Hall of Fame, you pieces of shit. Okay, so that's all we have for you on this very special episode of Dare Daniel All Dares, our second one that we've done. That's the All Dares. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you, everyone who is sending your dares. Thank you, everyone who's listening. I'm consistently amazed that people really listen to the show and really follow it and download it on the first day and listen to it. And it's really amazing. amazing. And thank you, everyone who supported the show and keep doing it and keep telling your friends and who like movies and who like a interesting and irreverent and slightly tipsy discussion about movies uh, and recommend the show to them. Also, please just take a extra moment right now to go whatever podcast user you're using, give us a review, give us a click us a like or a five star. It helps so much with the aggregate, with the algorithm, all that stuff. It we it's Unfortunately, it's the only way we know how pot our podcast is doing and how other eyes will get to our podcast. Yeah, and we appreciate everyone who has uh, supported the show and in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely. So thank you so much. And we are going to be back in two weeks with another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares. This is what we were just talking about. To us at daredaniel.com. Click the Submit a Dare button. You can also follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Corky, you've actually started gramming again. I didn't gram for a long ass time. I've, I've kind of brought it back. You brought it back. You bring a, you're bringing Instagram back. I, I'm doing Instagram as only a 43-year-old man can do <laughs> who barely understands what the hell the purpose is. Perfectly. <laughs> no pictures of my face. <laughs> like and rate us on iTunes. This is what you were just talking this about. This is exactly Or wherever it. you listen to podcasts, you can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky. Yeah. You're out there. You're in the community. What are you doing? Talk talk about what you're doing these days. I'm in the zeitgeist, Daniel. You are engaging with the zeitgeist. I'm crunking and I'm dabbing. Yeah, you're I'm doing all those folks. things. Yeah. Absolutely. You're macaraining. You're <laughs> just with all the hip new dances. I tell you, see? How's the, the 23 skidoo. <laughs> it's a real pepper. Absolutely. Everyone's doing the big apple. Catch me at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. Sacramento Comedy Spot. What are you doing at the Comedy Spot these days? I'm performing every Friday and Saturday nights. I'm also teaching classes. Come on down. Have fun. There's so many classes to take, so many shows to see. JN 20th in Midtown Sacramento.
What uh, shows do you perform in these days? I'm in Anti-Cooperation League. And That's Ma- a great show. Yes, thank you. MRI, Masters of Rap Improv. Great show. I haven't yeah. seen it, but I'm pretty sure it's great. <laughs> I bet it's great. It's probably great. Right? haven't seen it, but I can honestly say it's my favorite show I've ever seen. <laughs> I love it. I recommend it to everyone. Masters of Rap Improv. Give me your elevator pitch right now. What 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 are people you're going to go down to the comedy spot you're on gonna see, Friday night? On Friday night, you're going to see freestyle rapping, okay. inspire improv scenes, which then go back to inspiring freestyle raps. <laughs> that I mean, that is a, that's that a so much shit. improv for that your is buck. Like, yeah, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. That is high concept improv. Yeah, thank you, and I love it. I, I love it. it. Go down and check it out. It's my new favorite show. It's called Masters. What's it called? <laughs> Masters of Rap Improv. <laughs> MRI. Masters of Rap Improv. MRI. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful stuff, baby. Thank That's you. beautiful stuff. For Dave Daniel, I'm Daniel Bond. See? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you think you're a big shot? No, I am. Well, I'll tell you, Daniel. I'm Corky McDonald. I'm saying you're a real wise pepper, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'll give you what for right now. See? Wow. We love you. Bye-bye.